Go ahead to the book of Hosea tonight. book of Hosea, we've been going through majoring on the minors, going through all these minor prophets. Once again, not because they're less important, but there's not as much content. They're shorter books, not as much writing in those as the major prophets. Uh, you have several chapters of some, and then just a few. That here in the book of Hosea, you find 14 chapters. And most everyone knows the very first part, probably the first three chapters of Hosea, is the most popular part of the book of Hosea. But there are many more chapters of the book of Hosea and the prophecy of Hosea that you have to look into. To be completely honest with you, uh, some of uh, our minds go to some places when we think about the book of Hosea. And to be honest with you, the book of Hosea begins in a place where a man is the prophet of God, the man of God is told, and takes a man, a woman that is not fully dedicated, we'll put it that way, not fully dedicated to uh, the relationship that they uh, had in that marriage bond. And there, uh, as we progress through it, though, we find that the people of God are the same way to God Almighty. And that's the mirror, that is the image that God is portraying to us, is that the people of Israel were a were an unfaithful wife uh, to the husbandman, to God himself. So therefore, when we look through these, we begin to see this times that, that God is showing to us this way. But I want you to turn to chapter number 10 this evening, where we want to concentrate tonight. I just want to look at one verse th- this evening, and maybe we may go back and hit another place in Hosea. This is where I feel like the Lord has led us for tonight. Hosea chapter number 10, verse number 12, the Bible says it this way. The Bible says, Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow grounds. Or look at, look at this phrase right here. I've got it underlined. For it is time to seek the Lord. Till he come and rain righteousness upon you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I pray you'd be with us this evening. God, I pray you'd hide us behind the cross. God, anoint us from our head to toe. God, with the Holy Spirit of God. And Lord, I pray that we'd preach with the fire and unction of the Holy Spirit of God. Lord, I pray that you'd guard our mouth and minds, God, as we preach and stand behind this sacred desk. God, I pray that this would be a blessing, God, to those that are uh, listening, God, to the message that you've given. And I feel that you've laid on my heart, God. I know it's for a reason. And Lord, I pray that we would just turn, God, and seek you, Lord, most and first, first and foremost, above anything and all things, God, this evening. God, we love you. We praise you. It's in the precious name of Jesus Christ that we pray these things. Amen and amen. How many of you have ever heard that old saying, there's no time like the present? Some people, that old, uh, actually, it was actually in 1562 that that old adage was actually recorded. But some people even add this to it. They say that there's no present like time. And be honest with you, I believe that with all my heart, Brother Jose, that time is a precious commodity that we all are given by God. There'll be some people that have a lot of talents, and thank God for those that have talents, but not everyone has the same talents. There are some people that have money, and glory to God for those of you that have money, those that have been blessed with monetary gifts. Praise God, but not everyone has the same amount of money. Not everyone has the same amount of talent. Not everyone has the same amount of health issues. And uh, we, you know, some people are healthier than others. And there are other things that we have. But God has given to each and every one of us 24 hours every day of our life. He has given those hours to us. And we all have those same hours to live. And it's what we decide to do with those hours. It's up to us. 
Uh, we, can, we can do a lot of things. We can put God on the back burner. We can put our family on the back burner. We can put the house of God on the back burner. We can do uh, other things. We can choose this, that, and the other. But uh, I believe with all of our heart that time is a something that we have. But the time that we have right now, God tells us to redeem the time. God tells us in His Word that we should make much of the time that He has given to us. And there is a time for all things under the sun. As a matter of fact, the Bible even says that in Ecclesiastes chapter number 3. The Bible says it this way, To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under the heaven. Yes, it is not just an old rock and roll song, praise the Lord. There is actually scripture in the Bible that is given, that we have. There's everything, there's a season to everything that we have, a purpose under, every, every, uh, under the heaven. And there is indeed for everything and everything that we have a purpose for each and every one of us. There's a purpose for you. There's a purpose for you coming to church tonight. There's a purpose for you getting up this morning and serving the way that you served throughout the day. There's a purpose for you to be able to go back to your house wherever you go, the direction that you choose to go in, the gas station you choose to stop at, the grocery store that you may have to go to like my wife sends me to every Wednesday night, glory to God. Or the Chick-fil-A that you may stop at. Oh, glory to Jesus chicken. Hallelujah. There's a purpose for all of these things that God has given to us. And there's no time like the present. And we need to do something with God, with what God has given to us today. Not just wait until tomorrow. I'll be honest with you. I have been very, very... I, I, were y'all ever like me when you get when you were young and you were in school and you had assignments that you had to get done and you could always do it, I can do that tomorrow. I can do that tomorrow. Now, some of you are looking at me in disgust. Y'all were not procrastinators like me. I'll never forget when I was a... Uh, I don't even know how old I was. I, I might have been a teenager in the fourth grade, but I remember it was the fourth grade. I remember in the fourth grade, we had an assignment. I don't know about you guys, not from around here, but here in Georgia, what we had in the fourth grade, we had a Georgia notebook assignment. And I remember that I was given that Georgia notebook assignment in the fourth grade. At the very beginning, Miss Leatherwood told me when it was going to be due. And she told us that you need to do this at this certain time. And you need to have this by this certain time. And you need to have all these things done. And I remember that we were so busy in life. And we were so busy doing things. and, And I had too much things to do. I had to play outside. I had to, amen, Brother Rick. Praise God. I had to play outside. I had to go about and, and be with my friends. And I had to make sure that I knew how to shoot the best three-point shot, which I never achieved. Hallelujah. I knew how to, I tried to do the, all these things and figure this out. But I remember that the night before it was due, I remember going to bed and I'm thinking, there's something going on. There's something happening. There's happening. What is that? And I'm, and dad's telling me, son, you need to get to bed. And I'm thinking, there's something that I need to tell you. But I'm scared to, and I don't know why. And then, Brother Matt, it hit me. My Georgia notebook is due tomorrow. Dad says, how much of this Georgia notebook have you done, son? I said, do you got any magazines about Georgia? Georgia? Nothing. I had done nothing, Brother Greg. I had done nothing with it. And I remember us. We actually involved the entire neighborhood. We got the neighbors involved. They were cutting papers and stuff out of magazines. This is before Google, by the way, praise the Lord. This is before the internet. 
And we were going through and we were trying to find all these things. And then so I learned my lesson at fourth grade. Well, I say I learned my lesson, but I learned my lesson in the fourth grade, did not procrastinate because I remember about four o'clock in the morning, we finally put the last pit of of glue right there and and, uh, had that last picture glued on and wrote that last little phrase on there. And and we got up, we went in, and then I found out it was due the next day. (laughs) See, that kind of happened. We decide, oh, we got to get something done really fast. we got to go and we got to get this done. But then, then the Word of God is telling us, look at verse number 12 in the book of Hosea, chapter number 10. It says, it is time to seek the Lord. It doesn't say tomorrow is the day for you to seek the Lord. It doesn't say next week will be a good time for you to seek the Lord. But it says it is time. Right now, the present time that we have, it's time for us to seek the Lord. Now, many of us here is going to be, you'll be saying to us, well, I know that I've been seeking the Lord for many years. Well, don't you think we could seek the Lord and get a little bit closer tonight? Wouldn't it be nice to be able to pull up just a little bit closer to the house of God? We'll pull up a little bit closer to the table and, 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 and hear from God and hear exactly what he has for us. And then today we find a lot of times, I'll be honest with you, we find the world that we live in, there's a lot of people that have no relationship whatsoever with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'll just be honest with you, I feel like that there's a lot of pews across America that don't have a good relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a lot of people that are sitting in pews, I believe, there's some pulpits where there's some people that don't have real good relationships with the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's not exactly what we need to have. Now is the time for us to do that. And we're supposed to do that. And I, I, we go through it. There comes a time when, when Gomer had to realize that I want to choose Hosea. I want to make sure that I'm choosing him. And the interesting part about it is, and the amazing part about Brother Steve, is the fact that this is, this is what happens. It's not because of her love for him, that she decides, I'm committing to him. It's not his, it's not her love that's her, she decides, okay, I'm going on his side. It's the driving love that he showed to her. <laughs> Hallelujah. That is why she chose. All right, that's why I want to. I'm going to commit to him. He has shown me so much love. As a matter of fact, in the book of 1 John, chapter number 4, verse number 19, it says it this way. We love him because he first loved us. I'll be honest with you. In Romans, chapter number 5, verse number 8, but God commendeth his love towards us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Isn't it amazing that God displayed his love and showed his love and gave his love well before we ever even knew about his love? Glory to God. Jesus Christ himself loved us so much. God loved us so much. And this picture that we have here in the book of Hosea is saying that he goes after her time and time again. She walks out on him. But yet he continues to go after her. She walks out again and he goes after her, displaying, showing, uh, grounding his love on top of her, showing her how much he loves her. And finally she comes to the realization, what am I doing with him loving me and doing everything that he's done for me? What in the world am I doing? 
Oh, how can we apply that to ourselves? When we begin to say, what in the world have I been doing? Why have I been living the life that I've been living? Why is the direction that I've been going in? What is it that I've been doing? When God shows me His love, when the display of love that God gives to each and every one of us, and we realize that God loves us that much, why should I ever walk out on Him? Why should I ever leave Him? Why should I ever do anything to to displease Him? I want to make sure that I choose God and I choose to love Him. Because He first loved me. We go through and we look at this. We peer through the 10th chapter. We look through this in the book of Hosea. You go back a little bit and you look into chapter number 7, 8, and 9. You find some interesting things. What do you find? Well, in chapter number 7, you see that the people of Israel are ridiculed. The people of God are being ridiculed. Chapter number 8, the Bible says that they're being swallowed up. They're being consumed. Everything is being taken away from them. Chapter number 9, they lost every possession that they had, including the morality that they had. And I'm here to tell you that if we look across the portals of America, you look across America, you'll see that we're losing everything. Boy, it seems like our financial system seems to be breaking down. I can tell you that there is a reason for that. The judgment of God is very real on this nation. And I believe that with all of my heart. The morality of the people of America is diminishing at a rapid rate. You look across America and the things that people used to hide, the things that people used to make sure that they didn't tell anybody about, now they're openly and happy and they're making sure that they're displaying it out on everybody else. They're celebrating it. They're making holidays about it. They're making sure that everyone knows that they're participating in that sin. They're losing everything. And in chapter number 9, it's exactly what they're losing everything. But then when we get to chapter number 10, they find themselves under the yoke of slavery. Wow. The people of Israel are right there and they're there in the middle. But God gives us three reasons why. Why? Because number one, that they were unfruitful. You don't, we don't have time to go through it this evening. But if you read chapter number 10, you look through the first three verses, 1, 2, and 3, you'll find that they were unfruitful people. You go on a little further and God continues on this accusation or the condemnation of it. Why? In chapters number 10, 4 through 8, you see that they were unfaithful. And then you go through the back of it in chapter number nine, or chapter 10, verses 9 through 15, through the remainder of the chapter, you find that they were unrighteous. God says that this judgment is coming upon them. But yet, during in the middle of judgment, God is still pleading with them. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad that God, even in judgment, still has grace? I remember the day I received the grace of God. Hallelujah. Come on now. I'm getting excited, and, I, and, and maybe I shouldn't, but bless God, I should. Because the grace of God is awesome. The grace of God is wonderful. The grace of God has absolutely been bestowed on each and every one of you as well. And boy, if we get a, a real hold of what the grace of God does for us, it saves us and cleanses us and makes us clean and makes us a right relationship with God Almighty. And it makes us the ability to be, as pastors been preaching, kings and priests and an eternal future that we have. And what a wonderful relationship that is. It brings me to peace with each other. Glory to God. Isn't that a wonderful thing? To have peace with one another and to be able to understand these great things that we have. But yet this plea that God is giving to us in the middle of a judgment cry being given out, He still pleads with them and says, I want you to sow. I want you to reap. I want you to break up. I want you to seek. There's still time. And when is that time? 
Not tomorrow. Not a week from now. Not when you remember that the due date is tomorrow. But now. Now is the time for us to do something about it. I'll be honest with you, as I stand in this pulpit tonight, there are thousands of people that seated across America in churches and in, uh, watching screens tonight. They no longer care for anything that has to do with the church. It seems like they're waiting to hear from a message from a pastor or a preacher. And what they need to be doing is willing to say that I'm no longer worrying about attending church. I want to participate in church. I'm no longer worrying about just being one of the uh, status quo, but I want to be part of a worship service. I want to spend some time in the presence of God. I want the Shekinah glory of God to sweep across a congregation and be able to say, wow, what a service we were able to have. You say, Brother Shane, does it matter if you're the one preaching? I sure don't really truly don't think I need to be the one preaching. Why? Because when he shows up and God shows up, there's nobody going to be preaching. There's just going to be people praising the glory of God. Hmm. I'm no longer satisfied. I don't want to satisfy the conscience of, well, I went to church. But I want a relationship. Today is the time. Now is the time. I want you to look at a few things with me. And we'll be done quickly tonight. I can tell we'll be done real quickly tonight. But number one, I want you to look at this. We can pursue the Lord. Look at this. Chapter number 10, verse number 12 in the book of Hosea. Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground. ground. But look at here it is, the phrase that we're looking at. For it is time to seek the Lord. It's time to put off all the excuses that we have. You have an excuse for everything. I have an excuse. I have an excuse for everything. If you don't believe me, ask my wife. Baby, you need to cut the grass. Well, it's too hot. Baby, you need to go out here and do this. Baby, I can't do that. This is going on. I got this to happen. I got this to happen. We, we need to just go ahead and say, no more excuses. No more excuses for what? Whatever the excuse has been laid aside, and whether it be pride, whether it be fear, whether it be discomfort. And I'll be honest with you, I think a lot of people don't really get in that true relationship with God and don't get in an altar just because they are just a little bit uncomfortable. They like to be in their spot where they're okay, where they're used to it, where they don't have to worry about something being exactly. Where where you don't realize it that what's going on, but surrender tonight to the will of God. Surrender to, surrender to what God is telling us to do. Why? It's a consecrated intention that we have. Uh, uh, for it is time to seek the Lord. It's a time to attain a more rela- intimate relationship with God. He's promised that He would keep His word. Every word that He has given to us, He promised that I will keep that word. So if we're waiting for Him to come out and say, I'll do this if you'll do this, we need to go ahead. Because if... James chapter number 4, verse number 8 is still in the Bible. Draw nigh to God, and guess what he said? I will draw nigh to you. So therefore, if you're waiting for you to say, God, I just want to get a little closer to God, then go ahead and take that step, and he'll take a bigger step. Glory to God. And you go ahead and take another step, and he's going to take a bigger step towards you. Just draw nigh to him, and he's going to draw nigh to you. I can promise you that we have an, an awesome God that he will keep his word every step of the way. But then also we have the changes that will incur. 
What is that? Break up your fallow grounds is what the Bible says here in Hosea 10, 12. Now those fallow grounds, those of you that, I, and I never grew up on a farm, but I did some a little bit of research and found out that those fallow grounds are something that's just kind of been glossed over. There's still chunks. There's still a lot of plowing that needs to take place. A lot of plowing. And I'll be honest with you, it's hard to plow deep. It's a lot easier just to go ahead and hit the surface. But if you want to get a deeper relationship with God, guess what we need to do? We got to plow a little deeper. And when, it, and when plowing, Brother Shane, guess what? The ground doesn't like being plowed. Thank you, Brother Richard. The ground doesn't like being plowed. Why? Because that stony earth, that hard clay. You know, we're here in Georgia, we got that red clay that's so sticky and so hard. And it, but it doesn't, it wants to hold together. It wants to clump together. Have you ever tried to plant a seed in red clay? It's not going to work very well. You've got to follow that up. You've got to go a little deeper. You've got to dig a little deeper. You've got to go further and deeper into that. And, and he promised he's going to keep that word. But plowing through that time is not a pleasant for the ground. The ground doesn't like it. It's going to fight back. It's going to push back. This whole flesh doesn't like being plowed. This flesh doesn't like it when we dig a little deeper, plant that seed a little deeper. Flesh doesn't like it. To be honest with you, the Bible says that he loves a broken heart, a brokenness. God is going to draw nigh to that. God is going to draw nigh to that one. He's, he's going forth to that. And I know without a shadow of a doubt that that's going to happen. Ezekiel said it this way in chapter number 36, verse number 26. It says, a new heart also will I give you. And a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away a stony heart out of your flesh. And will give you an heart of Flesh. Boy, that stony heart, that word to break actually means to cause to separate into smaller pieces. It means to break it up. Often it's a result of, are you ready for this? A blow or a strike. Hmm. I remember those old tillers. My, my dad had one. And uh, it, was, it was amazing. I always wanted to do it. But he was always afraid to let me do it. And I, I remembered that I, I, I would do those. And then, then also I found that those buffers, those buffers would go around and do, do great things inside. And I, I, I like to do buffing better because it was air conditioned inside. <laughs> but I, I, remember, I remember having this time of where I would make sure that everything was done and just right. And we were at a, at a church and we were trying to buff out uh, the fellowship hall area. And I, and I told, told the boys, now stay away from that buffer. It, it's dangerous. We're going we're gonna, to, you know, y'all don't need to hurt yourselves. And, and so I walked away about 10 steps. And when I walked away about 10 steps, and I'm, I jokingly, Brother Matt said, I guess we just need a little more weight on that thing. And it'll work better. I shouldn't have said that. Why? Because then my son, Ethan, God bless him. He weighs now, at 20 years old, 110 pounds probably, glory to God. But he jumps on that thing, and, and, and I, hear the, I hear it start up. 
And he's standing on top of a buffer and pulls the handle and starts going in circles at about 2,500 RPMs. And he made it about two and a half rotations before it flung him across the floor. And you thought, why in the world? Well, there's a lot of times where we think, hey, I'm going to do something. And the devil thinks, really? And he puts you on this thing and he flings you about after about two and a half rotations. And a lot of times, Brother Jose, what happens is we stop right there. We say, boy, that's too hard. That hurt too much. Boy, I could really hurt myself if I do that again. But what is God telling us to do? Break up those fallow grounds. Keep on going. Dig a little deeper. Go a little further. God's telling us to make sure that we're using that time. Making sure that we're using the time for us to be able to make sure that we have a change that will occur in our life. How is that going to happen? By breaking up that fallow ground. Getting rid of those uh, 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 places where it's so hard for our seeds to be able to be planted within us. The Word of God. And we realize that sinful condition that we have. And the glorious God and the majesty and the holiness of God that we could have as a result a relationship with Him. What a wonderful thought to know that we could have a change occur within us. Because why? Because we're pursuing the Lord. But look a little further. Persevere for the Lord. In that verse, chapter number 10, verse number 12. How long does it say to do this? To break up the fallow ground. How long does it say it's time to seek the Lord? Till He comes. I don't know when God's coming, but I know He is. I know it's promised. Boy, Pastor did a wonderful job preaching that sermon to us Sunday morning. So the Bible just tells me to continue to do what I'm doing. Persevere for the Lord. Persevere what He's telling me to do. Time is slipping away and we hardly even realize the gift that we have that's passing upon us in every precious moment that we have. That time is just wearing away and we become weary sometimes because we're trying to go through. But child of God, I want to tell you, persevere for the Lord and stay God, stay strong for the Lord and continue on that this time is now to give all that you can for the Lord Jesus Christ. Stay the course. When decision is made to pursue God, I'll be honest with you, don't look back. Because if you look back, there's going to be problems. There's going to be issues. We've got to be diligent. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant, be, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, is, is seeking whom he may and walketh about seeking whom he may devour. So we have to continue to be that one that is being vigilant and being on the lookout, knowing that we can stay the course and, and make sure that we will persevere for the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we have to serve continuously. Till He come. How many of you know without a shadow of a doubt that God has given you a purpose on this earth? If we know that, that should get us up even in the times. Be not weary in well-doing is what Paul said. You may be weary today. You may be thinking, why in the world am I getting up just repeating the same thing over and over and over? Doing the same thing over and over and over. If God is telling you that this is what you are to do, then continue consistently for the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is a Honestly, there's a promise for a reward for uh, those that continue in the service of the Lord. 
You decide right now that you're going to serve the Lord and no matter what the consequences, no matter what the world says, no matter what your friends say, no matter what your family say, you say, I'm going to serve the Lord. Because why? There's soon coming a a brighter day. A day where God is going to wipe away all tears. He's coming. And we need to persevere till He comes. But look at the end of that verse with me real quickly and we'll be done. Permit the Lord till He come and rain righteousness upon you. be honest with you, the days that we've been having, these hot days, how many of you have been praying for a little bit of rain? Praying for it to just cool off a little bit. Come on, September. Praise God. Come on, October. I'm just waiting for cold weather. And as Pastor says, everybody will be mad that it's too cold then. But I'll be honest with you, the good old days are not forever in the past. A lot of people say, well, it can't happen like it used to happen. I believe it can, Brother Mike. I believe that God still desires to make a move on this world just as he desired in the past days to move on the world and make a revival to continue to happen. And and I believe with all of my heart that we just need to have a few people that are just going to pursue the Lord. Persevere for the Lord. Permit the Lord. Let him, allow him to do that. Boy, there's a bright day coming. We all look forward to the day when Jesus Christ comes and receives his bride. And that is a wonderful day, but we can have a brighter day tomorrow. Just having a brighter relationship with him tonight. See, the word of God is like water. It washes over us. God says that there'll be rain. Ezekiel, as a matter of fact, puts it this way. There'll be showers of blessings. Earlier in Hosea, he actually says that the the rain is going to come upon us, the latter and the former rain unto the earth is going to come. Deuteronomy actually says it this way, that my doctrine shall drop as the rain and my speech as distill as the dew and the small rain upon the tender herb and the showers upon the grass. The word of God washes over us, cleanses us, allows God to do a work within us. In Ephesians chapter number 5, it says this, by the washing of the water, By the word. So Hosea here is telling us it's time to seek the Lord. Tonight is the time to seek the Lord, not tomorrow, not the next day. And to be completely honest with you, I want you to imagine this. Today was like no other day. When you got up, the sun rise didn't look the same as it did yesterday. And tonight the sunset didn't look the same as it did yesterday. Because God, every time, paints a perfect picture for us to be able to see every morning and every evening. You say, well, sometimes there's clouds. Well, I can guarantee you that there's a perfect picture behind those clouds that you just can't see what he has done today. And it doesn't look like what was yesterday. And it's not going to look like what is tomorrow. Today has a unique pattern of all of that. And God awoke you for a purpose tonight. Today, to do something for Him. And the day is for, for us. Today is the day for us to be able to make our way to the Lord and take His proper place for our lives. Work a miracle. Time is now. As Hosea says it, the time is now. 
Boy, I say, amen. Amen that God can tell us, I want to seek him today. I want to see what God has in store for us this day. As for me and my house, and I hope as for you and your house, we'll serve the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father.